and welcome to a very special episode of Swapping Joysticks. I am Ben Oswick and I am joined as always by... Who are you? Me, Ed Knights. Hello. However, for this episode we are joined by someone even more special than Ed. We are joined (laughs) by Rook, aka Rookery. How are you doing, Rook? I'm great, but I would like to say that that intro was a blatant lie. There's no way I'm better than Ed. Zero chance. You definitely not are. at all. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just Rook. I am not as good as Ed, but I am very happy to be here on the podcast. Uh, you can also find me as Rookery online with a URI at the end instead of the E-R-Y. But I'm so happy to be here with both of you. So happy to have you here. Like, yeah, thanks for coming. Been amazing because obviously, so for those of you who are maybe who don't know who Rook is or like don't know where like our history or anything, but we are members of Rainbow Arcade, which is an LGBTQIA plus stream team. We joined. Well, when did you join? Were you joining in? Did you join in twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I joined like after the initial group that you were a part of, and because you came in a bit earlier. That's right. Yeah. So I think twenty twenty is when it kind of grew really, really rapidly, and obviously we got talking and got chatting and it was such a a great group of people that I think everyone just became friends in there um and it's built like a really nice community on there but yeah so that is how Rook and I know but we generally generally met for the first time ever at FanFest and that is one of the special kind of topics that we're going to be chatting about today with the interviews we're going to talk about MMOs we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 14 and also we're going to talk about very specially about uh about FanFest in London that we just attended. I was going to say, as part of your introduction, we should have said you are the queen of MMOs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, they haven't officially crowned me, um, but what? I'm open to it. I'm happy to do the ceremony. No, <laughs> I, I do. I love MMOs and I do a lot of things with MMORPGs, most specifically Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2, as we were even talking about before the podcast. But I have played probably most of the MMOs that exist uh, currently. Not all, but a good portion of them. Because what was the very first one that you played? The very first one was World of Warcraft. Oh, and then we went through like Switor, ESO. I've, I mean, I've done, of course, 14, Guild Wars 2. Um, I've tried a lot of others. Arcade, we tried for a hot second. You know, like just a ton of different, of different MMOs that are out of the market. Uh, I've kind of dabbled in, but I love doing content for them. And I love MMOs as a genre. So it's always exciting to get to talk about them. <laughs> That's awesome. The very first one I played was, I never heard it called Switor before, but yeah, the Old Republic. Switor. I like that. I'm going to use it from now on, although I don't play it anymore, but I played it until it became free to play. And then there were certain things that didn't really appeal to me, but it was, that was, that really got me into MMOs. And oh, that was like the, the, the first time I played that, I was like, okay, this is the type of game that you just get lost in for hours and hours. And then, I mean, I've lost hours and hours to games myself because yeah, when it comes to <clears throat> MMOs, I yeah played that. I've played a tiny bit of World of Warcraft, but I've played most in fourteen, including like the first summer I played, which was twenty fifteen when Heaven's Ward just came out. Um, lost an entire summer. I used to go to bed at like six a.m. because I used to I used to teach in the afternoons, <clears throat> so I would literally go to sleep at six a.m. and then wake up at kind of one o'clock and go to work. It was the worst health habit. That's that a I, terrible. It really was, but yeah, it was bad just health. so good. But good for gaming emotion. Very, very <laughs> good. good. Basically, because like all the other people that I was playing with, like they were on until that late, and they were all European and like UK based. So we all had terrible sleep patterns. What about you, Ed? <laughs> what was your MMO? I have virginity? played one singular MMO, which is Final Fantasy XIV, and I am not. 
I'm really not an MMO person because when it comes to gaming, I'm not very sociable. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> I I grew up playing games on my own and didn't have many friends to play games with. So I basically love single player story games. That's my that's my thing. Um, but because of that, I love Final Fantasy. So if there was ever an MMO that was going to get me into MMOs, it was 14. And I still need to catch up. I am definitely not up to date. And I will do it by the time Dawn Trail comes out. That is on record. we got like six months or so. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the only one I've played. And even then, I like playing it um, with duty support on my own. <laughs> That's... Listen, honestly, MMOs are being redefined as a genre, right? We have seen this more and more with like the modern shift in features for MMOs, the flexibility to play alone in a world that's populated by other yeah. players or to, you know, go out and do whatever group content, large scale content. I mean, there's such a diversity of what an MMO offers. And I'm actually right there with you. I started out playing almost exclusively single player games. I didn't have a computer or um, a parent who was willing to <laughs> pay for a subscription. I like just played mostly single player games um, on like console or when I'd go to my dad's place, we'd play. And so I grew up loving RPGs and Final Fantasy. Bioware, obviously another big one that kind yes. of led me to Switor, as we said. <laughs> but that extension of like being able to take those journeys that you have and then actually go on those adventures, just like in D&D, where you have your party, you have people in the world that are just as, you know, um, alive as you are, is something that really drew me to MMOs. But you, there's no like wrong way to experience an MMO. So you do your duty support if you want, Ed, you know, you yeah. rock it, you go for it. Well, also, then you get the characters with you. And I feel like you get a bit more story and a bit more characterization. Um, I'm with you there. 100%, I, yeah, first like time. I've, I've, it was Shadowbringers that I played with that, and I actually feel much more connected to the characters now because of that. Because I'm not just there with randoms who have done these dungeons mm. so many times. They're racing ahead, and I'm there it, trying to heal. Like, but it, it forces like, you to learn the bosses. Like you have to learn, and you, yeah. I, I die in that, and I don't care really that I'm dying because I'm like, okay, well, I'm guessing I need to learn that kind of rotation, or I need to learn that. Well, maybe not the rotation, but I need to learn that boss and how to counter it, and. As you're getting through Shadowbringers and Endwalker, like the bosses, be, like the bosses in the dungeons, become a lot more like you know you can die within two hits if you don't know the mechanic. Whereas you can kind of brute force your way through the first two or three expansions. So yeah, I'm I enjoy the challenge, but yeah, going in there and playing it with the duty support, you're right. I mean, it's not an MMO of sorts, but like the way that now pretty much anything, everything is online and there are so many games that are various, that are not necessarily MMOs like Destiny. I'm, I love Destiny, I love Destiny 2, but you going around there, you, there are full raids that you do with people. They're like every area that you go to, there will be a bunch of people just wandering around in the open world. So, and there's no, um, that there's no subscription for that. Well, apart from, you know, PlayStation Plus or whatever you're playing it on. But yeah, like games are becoming more and more MMO'd I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those online capabilities are that much more accessible. You know, it's so funny thinking back on Final Fantasy XI, which was such a huge thing. I didn't play it when it was out, although I've played it since. But hearing stories about what a huge thing it was that, like, on your PlayStation, you had this massive brick that you could, like, attach to the back of it that would that. let you play <laughs> online, right? Yeah. And that was such a huge revolutionary thing that, like, oh, you could play online on your console. But now, I mean, 
we play games on our phones with each other. We like that connection and uh, connectivity features are so, so expanded. Um, and I enjoy some destiny too, as well. I think honestly, their raid design and dungeon designs and things are so fun and interesting in the yeah. way that they tackle that, like high responsiveness, mobility, that kind of thing. Um, it's amazing to see, but there's a lot of different ways that like, I think the community has responded to it, whether it's stuff like, maybe too many paid features or, yeah. you know, um, still getting a single player story or what it means to be in an MMO. There's a lot of discussion in communities about that even, you know, like, should we have solo player features? Yes, you should. Mm -hmm. But like, but you know, how that is even changing in the kind of landscape of MMORPGs. Yeah. Now, because you do quite a bit of casting, you do casting, obviously doing something soon, which was just announced. Was it announced today? It was, yes. But you yeah, also do yeah. casting, and one of the reasons we know with, uh, which I'll explain in a second, but one another thing that you do with casting uh, that you did at FanFest was for like PvP. What do you think of PvP in MMOs? Because this, I feel like some, like I've never touched PvP Me in 14. Like never even touched it. Ah, excellent. Good. Now is your chance. I was going to say, feel free yes. to convert <laughs> us because I've never, I've never played it, but I've never it's not because I've had a bad experience. Like, it's just, I've never seen any need to play it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is something that particularly in 14, I think has only recently had a big resurgence, right? So PVP in MMORPGs, we could do a whole episode probably just <laughs> on that, right? Um, I have in the last year, year and a half been really, really lucky and really grateful to have discovered such a passion for commentating, casting and hosting at like live events or um, remote events or esports events. Um, actually got started in 14 with the race to world first or the world first race, as Frosty calls it. Mm. Um, and then from there just was given a lot of opportunities to do a huge spectrum of different types of content from PVE to PVP casting. Um, and I think the real kind of allure of PvP, some something that is unique about it that we see in MMOs is the fact that, I mean, you both know in 14, if you have a fight, that's the fight. You might have some variations, like there might be, oh, hey, yeah, you know, there's two different versions of whatever this thing is. You'll get it with RNG. You have to learn the mechanics for both. Yeah. But that fight will always play out the same. You will always have the same things that happen at the same percentages at the same moments um, and the same iteration of mechanics. And when you learn that, you just get really good at repeating it. And you kind of learn that dance, as it were, and you just keep doing that over and over. Um, PvP is fascinating because just like the amount of people you'll meet in Duty Finder or in Pugs, uh, humanity is the most varied and unexpected of all. Yeah. So you never know what's coming your way. Like you might learn certain trends, you might learn certain metas, you might learn certain tactics, but the responses to those will always vary based on the people playing. And that's part of what makes it so fun because as you come in, you're not just learning a set of mechanics or a set of skills or what limit breaks are best used together or whatever it is, right? You are actually learning like a constantly changing landscape depending on the people you're up against the play style they have their personality um and i was i was not a pvp person for a really long time i was really nervous about it in games i thought mm. the competitive element or the salt element was something that would be really off-putting but i started to find that when it is with people that 
um, I think, focus on the fun of it, right? That it really is some of the most exciting content, not just to play, but to commentate because it's endlessly interesting, the like human struggle stories that unfold in it almost mm -hmm. in the moment to moment and how you kind of rise to the occasion. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how do you find casting? Because I guess to do that, you have to be a real expert in that game. You have to know all of the terminology and all the different layers. Like, that's a lot of information to then be able to just pick up on, you know, on the fly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's... It's interesting because, um, so I have a theater background. Um, I went to school and graduated from university with degrees in voice and theater. So while they seem really different, um, improvisation is kind of improvisation in either genre, right? So there are games like 14 that I commentate that I know really, really well. And um, I think part of your duties as a commentator or caster is, is to learn exactly that. Like you were saying, Ed, the terminology, the phrases, even the abbreviations of things that are common in the community, even things like memes that are just a part of the landscape in the community that people respond to. Um, when you're doing something, I mean, really PVP specifically, but also PVE as well, um, it's not just the game itself, it's also the players. So building the story or narratives, um, as we refer to them, um, around the teams. You know, uh, we had a great team at EU FanFest, Fish, that was over from Materia and uh, over from, uh, they were our one Australian team. Mm. And so, like, building up their story, who they were as players, um, what they'd been up against in a landscape, uh, you know, where all of the European teams can play against each other all the time, how you set the stakes, you know, for those, like, hurdles they're overcoming. Um, part of how you communicate the excitement is not just about the game, it's also about the players, the teams, and then creating something where those who are viewing can, like, latch onto it. So in things like 14, it's very... Um, it's easy, but there's still layers of depth I'm always finding, you know, where I realize, oh my gosh, this one ability that such and such has does this. So if they use this, then I know there's going to be a huge burst coming up. They're focusing down this player. I need to pay attention to that and like steer attention to that. Um, but when it comes to games that I don't know, a lot of it is just, it's just preparation. It's a lot of prep. I cast my first WoW Arena this past year, <gasps> which is PvP in World of Warcraft. And it was maybe um, Lithy, who was my co-commentator at 14 beforehand, said to me, this is the hardest thing that I cast out of any of the games that I play. And I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> sure. Well, I know PvP, so, you know, we'll figure it out. And I got into it and I was just like, what? Oh my <laughs> gosh. How many abilities? They can customize them all? What do you mean? So wait, what is everybody running right now? Oh, okay, great. All right. So we need to research the last five tournaments that happened. We need to like learn all the terminology for a thousand classes and the 50 million skill trees that they have. Oh. There's like a ton of different CC or like um, uh, crowd control abilities. And they all have different things they do and how you stack them and how you use them and how you dovetail them. Like some will cancel out others, but these ones won't. And those ones will extend the duration. And like, it was a whole thing. So in those cases, I make a lot of spreadsheets <laughs> and make a lot of spreadsheets and I watch a lot about it. And I watch a lot of tournaments and I take a ton of notes and, um, you know, you figure it out as you go, but it's, uh, a lot of it is just improvisation until you really start learning it yourself. But, um, 
there's a lot of templates that kind of you learn about like, you know, in the back and forth or flow regardless of the game. So for people that wanted to get into tournaments and watching these tournaments, because I'm guessing that's a great way to kind of learn PVPs to watch people do it. Um, what would you recommend people do? Is there a specific, you know, like how League of Legends has worlds? Is there a WoW or a 14 tournament scene? Yes, WoW for sure. Like WoW is actually the MMO that set the precedent of even world first races within the MMO landscape. Um, that's where they first were developed and that's where they first exploded within the sense of them becoming really professional productions. Um, and, you know, uh, having a ton of spectacle, um, full-on production teams, hired talent, um, backing and huge donation pools from usually large-scale sponsors uh, for the winners, those sorts of things, right? Mm. Um, and we've seen in 14 that they have started to do this too. Like, obviously, Frothy has been doing it for a long time with Mog Talk, um, but there are uh, there are groups uh, like the uh, Rival Wings Discord uh, that do a lot of community tournaments and things like that in the 14 space. Um, and then, of course, we have seen with this revamp that's happened for 14 PvP specifically, um, more of a push from Square Enix to endorse it. So we've seen more community tournaments. And then we, of course, had the Crystalline Conflict Regional Championships that just happened um, at the Phantom Fest. And although they've done this all the way back through the feast days in 14, this seems to be a real push from them to try to more actively create like entertainment, um, even on Square Enix's side with this. So, I mean, definitely keep an eye out on, you know, the Final Fantasy 14 feeds, um, but also look for those community groups. Um, you know, with WoW, it's a little different because the guilds themselves headed up. So Echo, Team Liquid, Method, um, those groups have their own staff. Like they, they full on have staff production teams they do on uh, like on location broadcasts and all kinds of stuff um, for like the world races. Uh, so usually following their feeds, um, I'm casting with Dungeon Dojo for this next one, which is a community led effort for the world race. But um, same with 14. Like if you look for those community groups, Rival Wings, like I mentioned, um, of course, Mog Talk, uh, which is sort of the big one for our uh, PVE content, right? Um, and PVP, because we did a tournament earlier this year for PVP with Frosty 2. But um, it's growing in 14. It's not fully there yet, mm. but it's definitely growing, uh, especially with Twitch and other platforms. That's great. And like before we go on to FanFest, as you were talking about casting then, you're, what what is it that you've just announced today? You are going to be a caster for a world's first... Well, what you, you're better explaining it. Yeah, we're doing wow. So the World of Warcraft uh, race to world first that's happening. Uh, this will be for Amir Drasil, which is the, I believe, final raid of uh, Dragonflight, which is the current expansion that they're in. So it's going to be a good one. Honestly, a lot of folks have been talking about how this raid design, um, because it's a little different in wow. Okay. So in wow, you get a preview before the actual content goes out. Of the content. So on the um, like test servers that they have, basically the test realm, the PTR, um, and then also through these like dungeon journals, these journal entries, you get essentially a rundown of many of the fundamental mechanics of what you'll see in the full release. So um, 
there's already a lot of talk about how this is one of the uh, most exciting raids that's come out in a while and seems to be a lot of people's uh, favorites already um, with some really cool ideas and designs. And uh, it should be a really interesting one. Honestly, I'm sure 14 will also take a look at it because they talk a lot about how they draw or have drawn a lot of inspiration from World of Warcraft, um, even though they're very different games. So it'll be fun to commentate. Mm, I'm intrigued to see because I've not done many i've done a couple of two or three four raids in destiny and just kind of the ones that you have to do in 14 but i've never done any kind of real high-end raids before and i think that's gonna be once i get to end game that's gonna be something to look at yes do it nice. and have you done any raiding you, you said you mostly play solo right yeah oh i'm way behind so i'm uh... <laughs> don't ask me about it about that no. <laughs> i think you'd get stressed out with raiding yeah i i'm very very competitive, which is another reason I don't play much online because I just get angry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. no, you have to take your journey. You have to find your emotional grounding when you're doing have intense you content. The, have you played the Fall Guys thing in 14 yet? No. I haven't done it yet. I haven't. Have you? I did Let's one not get, talk about it. I did one time and then just turned it off. I was like, no. No, the, I because I will get too into it and get really angry. And then like... Sometimes if I get really stressed out, for example, Destiny 1, the House of Wolves expansion in the original one, uh, or the Iron Lord, yeah, the, I think it was House of Wolves, there was one bit where you could, was, there was a really difficult uh, platforming bit, and you could get like to this, it wasn't, there wasn't even a challenge, you just had to kind of platform your way to above this temple, and if you got there, it was just like a really cool view, but it was really <laughs> difficult to get there, and I remember trying for hours and hours and then just gave up and was like, you know, and then just didn't play the game for six months because it just angered me so much that it had beaten me. Wow. And I could not physically do it. Um, so yeah, that was, that's why I'm not going to be playing anymore. My first try at Fall Guys in Final Fantasy, I got to the third and final round and basically came second. Like someone just got to the crown before me in my, my first go. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I've got this. I've got this down. And then I did it and out. I think about another four or five goes and couldn't get past the first round every time. It was like, no, I'm mm. done. Yeah. I tried it. I'm over it. I've heard a lot of people say they can't even get past the first round, which I'm not, it's, it's interesting. I'm not that surprised because I feel like in 14, you also have an extra hurdle, which is the latency of 14. Mm. Like that's one really big difference between 14 and even many other MMOs. Um, my partner who's much better at technology stuff than I am I think one time said it has something to do with how they render the data on like like not I don't know like on their side and then communicate it to like your side of the PC versus like rendering through your like your end and your connection I don't know what <laughs> the right words are for this but it causes this very infamous sort of delay with 14 which I'm sure both of you know about which allows for things like the spell sliding and stuff like that. So I have no doubt that the extra fury of like <laughs> I see the AoE I moved out and I'm dead and I died. Yeah. I had to change <laughs> server with that because I was in I was on a US server and that yeah caused issues but ah uh, well I mean that's that's just Fall Guys, to be honest, for me. Just I was going to say, even normal Fall Guys is also Fall Guys. But I play with the controller, and I think it is it does play differently, just handle differently between a controller and a keyboard as well. Like, I can jump and spin around in the air with the controller, which is pretty much impossible with a mouse and keyboard. So it's, But also there are other things where you can't be more accurate. You can't really walk in a perfectly straight line with a 
controller as easy I mean, as you can on the keyboard. That's another thing because I I'm very much a console gamer. I grew up playing with a controller, but I play 14 on PC with a mouse and keyboard because somebody told me it was a proper way to do but it. You click on the screen, um, don't you, Ed? But I I do. I sit and click <laughs> okay. and then use words. He clicks. Don't be ashamed. Be a clicker if you're a clicker. <laughs> I just have never seen anybody click the MMO spells on the screen before. I have. You're wow. not alone, Ed. Wow. <laughs> oh, but usually they, when they get to like level five, they learn to use the like the numbers on the, <laughs> they use the keyboard. So rude. So rude over here. <laughs> Ben's just like, yeah, but usually nobody above level five, Ed, clicks anything on their box. <laughs> uh, I'm actually thinking of changing the controller. Recommend it. Go to see it. how it goes. Control's yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. for for fourteen, and I've said actually that would be the only reason I would get I would like play WoW would be if they released it on the Xbox Series X with control support. Which I keep seeing rumors, and I don't know if that was because BlizzCon just happened, but who knows? I was going to say I had that in my mind for questions. So. Okay, well, should we? We'll get to that. Well, should we go on to FanFest? Because let's we, talk yeah. about FanFest. Because <laughs> um, you so you two we, met at FanFest. Yeah, we got to, to say, meet yeah. uh, Vegas FanFest, which was awesome. We did. And then all three of us got to meet at London FanFest. Yeah, I didn't meet at like Vegas. No, <laughs> sorry. Um, we missed you. We missed you there. We did. You know? We did. Um, London seemed super busy for you. Um, you were on the the Gillianer show. You were casting. How, how was London FanFest for you overall? It was okay. Listen, no shade at NA because the community team for NA are just as wonderful as EU and. Honestly, having seen behind the scenes at EU how much the community teams do for these events, I truly don't know how they manage it. I don't know how they do it. It's unbelievable the amount of work that they do. Um, so they're both wonderful events, but EU was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you two went, I, I was really impressed, to be honest. I kind of went, because I'd heard about Vegas from you, and I went being like, I went after I'd heard, you know, what happened at Vegas, but I also came back after we'd been to KupoCon and I was like, yeah. this is going to be something that I'm probably going to get tired of after about an hour <laughs> and then want to leave. But genuinely, it was one of my favorite weekends outside of TwitchCon. I mean, even it like rivals TwitchCon with just how much fun I had there. Um, and there were like a bunch of people that I met and lots of people, quite a few people that I knew, but nowhere near the amount of uh, like there was at TwitchCon, but it was just such an... In just an entertaining and enjoyable time to be there. Yeah. Why do you think the London one was better? Because I've got ideas of like which one I liked for different reasons, but I'd love to know like why yeah. you think EU was better. I mean, they were both wonderful. I mean, I guess I should just say first and foremost, like they were both wonderful in their own ways, okay. like you were just saying. And um, they honestly, like being at a fan fest is something that I think everybody that is into 14 dreams of at some point. Um, I had never been to one. So this year I went to my first two back to back with this. Um, yes, <laughs> it was so one. good, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, I think overall the EU fan fest, um, even though I had less personal time to like spend because there was just a, we were doing a lot of stuff. We had a lot of rehearsals. We were back and forth. Um, but overall, it just felt like it was so well planned for the vast majority, you know, like for the, the guest experience, it was so wonderful. Like they made such good use of the space and like those big sprawling zones for yeah. all of the major city states and the fact that they had a ton of different attractions within those and every single zone had areas to like 
sit and relax and you know you could bring food and drink in as well yes like it was so nice like it made it feel so much more just like enjoyable and they had just such a big range of stuff like there was the crafting gathering stuff there were like the little activities um they even had like yoshida's old cosplays like in the back area they had all these photo op spots that were these really cute little like g pose vignettes that they'd set up um it just felt like overall there was a lot of stuff that you could just kind of rotate and do or just sit and enjoy. Yeah. Food was easily accessible, which was a big problem that we had at NA FanFest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I heard the most miserable. If you, if you want to piss Ed off, you take his food away. <laughs> oh, you take his access to food away. If you want to see an angry, <laughs> I miserable don't blame Ed. You. <laughs> honestly, and the amount like that. I think Brooke did with, see me when I was but very angry. You saw me when I was the exact same. And he had I, jet lag as well, just to add to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was sleep. terrible. <laughs> like, and I don't, I don't know. I've only heard rumors and things, right? But it seems like maybe the convention center and like this is again, this is all hearsay. So please, everybody, take this with a big grain of salt. Like, it just seemed as though there was some kind of miscommunication with like the convention center with NA and Vegas and FanFest, and that like the amount of attendees maybe had not fully like registered with the venue. And so, like, they didn't have any of the food stuff open the first day. There were, like, no food courts open. If you wanted to go get food, you had to, like, go out from the convention center a a decent amount. Like, you know, it wasn't just, like, I walk outside and there's a restaurant across the street. Like, it's a little set away from stuff. And, like, you have to kind of, like, go away from it. And you didn't want to leave because getting in and out of the hall was kind of, like, a huge hassle. And there was all the stuff you wanted to do. And, like, like... I witnessed so many people just so hungry, having full on meltdowns. Like I myself like had one, you had to wait over an hour in line just to get food. And when we did, we got sandwiches for like our full group and like nothing else. They were just sandwiches. They were like this big. They had some meat. They had some cheese over a hundred dollars for just like a handful of sandwiches. Mm. No, nothing else. No drinks, nothing. Like it was wild and that was like all we ate the whole day <laughs> i had a very very disappointing philly cheesesteak sandwich that's what we ate. yes it was I sad think it was like 20 dollars for yeah. a sandwich that was 90 percent mayonnaise <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. but like the eu one tons of food places all kinds of things to eat in the Excel. You could, again, just bring it into the venue as well. So you could grab some food, come back in, sit down. Mm. Um, like, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I felt like maybe some of the actual panels and stuff at NA, some of the announcements at NA also felt like bigger in scale to some degree. And um, maybe that was one of the, the less exciting parts of EU FanFest. You weren't but... interested in the Lala's chin? <laughs> like... <laughs> Those lalas are going to have jaws to cut glass. Like <laughs> It's going to be so smooth. You're going to touch it. It's going to be like touching an angel's cheek when you touch a <laughs> Yeah, that was... I remember I was sitting there being like, this could have been a... Could have been an email. Yeah, it could this could have been, been an email. <laughs> this could have been a press release. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was also kind of funny about that is that the dev panel they did later mm. actually had more details about the graphical updates and some like incredibly gorgeous shots of what it'll look like with the environmental effects in various regions and zones and the fog like stunning beautiful stuff and yeah yeah i think because they were trying to pad out stuff since they didn't have the new um like lifestyle content to talk about since it wasn't ready 
the amount of time about Lalafeld chins was comical. <laughs> comical. Gosh. I was just completely wrapped up in it. Though. I was like, I don't care. You can be talking about Lala toes, yep. and I'd still find this quite interesting. With you a know? massive grin on your face. Yeah, like, I was just sat there like, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you could have just sat and like read, you know, the first few chapters of, you know, Peter Pan, and I'd have been like, yeah, great. I'm just going to go and listen to you do that. Why not? Yeah, I completely. Keynote... Sorry, go on. Oh no, I was going to say the keynote energy, and just being there with everybody is one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's 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 so wonderful. I, I totally agree. You just like a huge smile on your face the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you as well on the sort of organization of EU. I think it felt better organized. Like you say, the sort of attractions I think were great. The fact that Sakaguchi was there as well yes. was mind-blowing. Mm. Like it was so cool to see Yoshida and Sakaguchi on stage together and just bantering. Like that was amazing. That was super, super cool. And also I got to spend it with you. And also, yeah, thank you to Square Enix. By the way, yeah, speaking of like, we, we're kind of saying how great and how well it was organized. And we know pretty much the people, well, some people well, yes, organized Square Enix it. got us in, so thank you. But also, yeah, we're quite, we're good friends. We went out partying with someone that was very, you know, that has a big say in how it's, um, you know, how it's organized as well. So he will be absolutely ecstatic at this feedback, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's a, a big thing that was a difference too from NA to EU, right? Um, perhaps because of the size of NA. I, I'm not sure what went into this decision. I have no idea. Um, content creators were not invited to NA. Um, and so while media was like brought in, um, there were no content creators uh, that were allowed in with like media or coverage. And that was something that I definitely felt. There's been a lot of talk from the community about this, right? Um, and, and like rightfully so, you know, but at the same time, like content creators are very much a facet of media coverage at this point within the landscape that we live in. And those tickets that they get, it's not like they're coming out of the pool of, you know, like attendees. It, oftentimes they are like their own thing, right? Like you have your own thing with the actual like media or coverage with that. Um, and it was really lovely with EU FanFest that there, I think, was more of an extension with, like, a lot of different folks, right? Like, they had many of the voice actors there who were just yeah. attending, like, just for fun. Like, they didn't even have panels. Like, they just came. They, they totally had should have had a panel for yeah. They should have. I would have loved it. But, like, as it was, having talked with them throughout the weekend, you know, they were all just like, it's really nice just to get to hang out together and attend. Yeah. And people are they, so lovely. I think they said that they wouldn't have had a panel because then they'd have had to, they'd be obliged to kind of invite everybody and not everybody's kind of local and it would have cost quite a bit to get all the voice actors uh flown over there excuse but we, we had such a great time because we were we were literally we watched the primals concert with the voice actors for Thancred and alphanode who were just there chilling and rocking out with yeah. them it was like this is so cool yeah it was very cool um yeah it was lovely so yeah like i think eu like for me anyway i think i had more friends there which was nice to sort of hang out with however Vegas was my first time in Vegas. I've been to America before, but my first time in Vegas, first time West Coast, um, first fan fest. And I think that just has its own sort of special vibe that you just can't beat. And the announcements as well, because it's then, hey, here's the new expansion with the title and the trailer for the first time. Um, that just felt so special to be there and just soak up the electricity in the air for that announcement whereas then the eu one was kind of like oh yeah here's a job and then some other stuff and you're like oh okay 
<laughs> so it didn't quite have the same buzz for me, but I think that it was a better event, if that makes sense. Oh, I completely agree. Totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, the scale of NA was also so staggering. This was the largest one they've ever done in NA. And I think it was around 15,000 attendees. Um, and of course, that created its own kind of hurdles, like we kind of mentioned and talked about with some of the planning on that side. But that morning, coming in and like walking in front of everybody for the keynote and just seeing 15,014 players was like, I teared up. I, I was just so overcome by emotion. And like you said, the energy was just electric. There was just so much, like everyone was so excited. It was the first fan fest kicking off like our cycle of fan fest leading up to Don Trail, having the reveal. I mean, it was so special in so many of those regards and like getting to meet so many people and for both of them, I mean, in different ways, like I think I personally have like more NA connections, but I do have a lot of folks that um, are EU based that are either in my community or that I know and like getting to meet both of you there and like finally getting to meet you in person, Ben, <laughs> yes, after all finally. this time knowing each other, like it was the same with a lot of folks that I've known for years, but have just never, I mean, with the pandemic and everything too, hadn't been overseas to meet. So like they both had their own different energies to them, but the NA1 definitely was electric. And I agree with you on that, Ed, because it was like an unbelievable rush of energy that was like 15,000 people strong. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. And I think you, you also get like completely sucked into the 14 kind of universe there. Cause I've, I've played a lot of 14. I've got, you know, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of hours I've got maybe over a thousand as well. So I, I played it on and off for years and years and years, but I haven't been kind of sucked completely into, so I don't know all, I don't know most of the big streamers. I don't know most of the memes. I don't know, like the the kind of content creators that are adjacent to it, a bit like Husky and Alex. Like I didn't know them before FanFest. I didn't know who they were. Now I'm you know biggest fan. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> Not just their talent, but also as people, we got to meet them at a couple of you know a couple of events there, and like that just made me realize just how awesome the community is. And it's not just a load of people playing games together and yeah, they're doing raids and they're chatting and stuff, but there is a real community there and it's not going anywhere. And I can see hundred percent why, because before I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they'll bring out, you know, Final Fantasy 17 and they'll, they'll start to move, they'll close down 14 and then they're going to start a new MMO. I'm like, actually now looking at that, I, no, I can't see them doing that for, you know, until it's impossible to play that game anymore. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I, it's so special. I mean, 14 has won a lot of community awards for a reason. Yeah. Um, it's not to say it's perfect. No MMO community is. People are not perfect. There will always be pockets or bad experiences that you've had in various spaces. But like, it is truly, having been in many MMOs myself, one of the absolute best. Like, it is one of the most predominantly positive and most predominantly welcoming. And you're so right. Like, when you're there with everybody, it's just, it's incredible. Like you meet so many folks and yes, Alex and Huxley are so lovely. Like I've worked with them on projects for stuff with um, some of the covers that they've done, but it was my first time meeting them in person too. So we were all like chatting and so excited. And those of us on the Gillionaire, it was so lovely yes. to get to like actually meet so many folks that we've known, but also just to meet people like out in the space because there are folks yeah. that would come up and they're like, I've listened to your podcast for years or, um, you know, I'm so-and-so on Twitch and you're like, 
oh my gosh, like yeah. this is absolutely ridiculous. We've known each other. You've been in my stream for what, five years now or something? And it's just like, I've had people ask, you know, um, particularly with EU FanFest, like what was your absolute highlight? And EU FanFest, I'm like, yeah, all the big stuff. Um, I shook Yoshida's hand and took a picture with him, which was one of my life goals. <laughs> Same, that was that was one of mine as well. It's like we were saying earlier, um, like what would be kind of like the ultimate, if you could meet anybody related to video games in the entire world, who would it be? And I'd be like, well, Yoshi Yoshida. And <laughs> yeah. I got to meet him and we had a picture and I'm like, well, now that's ticked off. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of a new answer to, to that question. That's very cool. Not you. So good. Like, <laughs> and he is such a cool person. You know, like he's not pretentious. He's not like he was just very intent on like it being the best experience for everybody. And in our rehearsals, very meticulous and um, you know, like, but so kind to every person that like yeah. comes up and interacts with him, and so generous with his time when his time is being taken by everything uh, yeah. constantly. You know. Um, and like for all of those incredible experiences and like being on stage, I like I have tried to find words for it, but it's very hard to even put it into words because the feeling is just like one of all encompassing connection and love. Like yeah. you were saying, like with this community where suddenly it's like it's a living, breathing part of you and you're hearing people cheer and you're, you know, getting super excited about all of this and you're going through this action or PVP, but you're also realizing that it's like people all around the world that love this thing that you love that are sharing this moment, this experience with you. Mm -hmm. um, so special. But like for all of that, it's honestly just like the community. It, it's the community as a whole. That's the highlight of FanFest. Like every small interaction, nowhere near the stage to the big stuff, like the heartbeat of the game. And it's incredible to experience. I completely agree. Like when you were saying earlier, and I've said this before, like I was sitting in the hall and I think, and I, it's something that, you know, people say is like a little bit of a throwaway comment and stuff, but like genuinely they said, oh, this is the best community ever. I'm like, you know what? Actually, yeah, I've been in many games with many communities. I've obviously never been to one where it's kind of like a big meetup. And I know like lots of lots of games have these big meetups, uh, maybe not on the scale of FanFest, but I don't know. BlizzCon, I imagine is pretty big. Um, but like I know Sea of Thieves do one. So there's there are these things, but I genuinely can't think of a better community than 14 and more welcoming and more loving. And I think generally Yoshi P does encompass that because he is he is a massive fan of the game. There are so many games where the person in charge of it is just, you know, you don't know who they are because they're just a board. Like they're on a they're an executive somewhere and they they make decisions and stuff. But they and they maybe play it, but they're kind of they're not as involved and completely in love with the game. You, I imagine uh, that Yoshi P is. I was going to say what really struck me at both fan fests is the respect that the community have for the developers yeah um which really comes across you know they want to be there they want to listen they want to find stuff out and they respect the opinions but also the, then the love and respect from the developers to the community it's not just oh you're there playing our game and we get money from you it's like they genuinely love them and want that feedback and it's there's a lot of mutual respect there and i think that is for me, that's kind of the core of why the community is so successful because it's a two-way relationship between the developers and the community. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's been really fascinating because actually right before FanFest, EU FanFest, I should say, there was this video that was released um, 
I, I won't like specifically call it out here because I don't know if the energy it puts into the universe is really <laughs> worth feeding into, but it sparked a lot of conversations because it was basically a critique about like why Final Fantasy 14 was going to die and it was a terrible game and like how like the community can't take any critical feedback and that like everybody makes such a big deal about it and they're all fake about their feelings about it and all this stuff and like pretending to be so happy all the time about it and um, a snippet of one of my videos was used in this and like I didn't find out until we literally arrived in London and then people were like oh, Rook, you're in this video. And I was like, oh, God, oh, no. okay. Um, but the thing is, is that, yes, sure. Like, there there obviously has to be feedback about games that we play, right? And there is good balanced criticism of games that we play. And 14 is not a perfect game. But like you were both saying, the prevalence or at least the overwhelming, like, desire to be positive and connect with the game in my book is a great thing <laughs> i'm like this is so great like i would rather have this than i would the opposite because i've mm. seen the opposite and i've seen when like communities and like everybody like in them are nothing but just absolutely awful to the developers and awful and negative at every turn oh, you play Destiny as well yeah yes i've also played <laughs> destiny yes um uh and i mean even in guild wars 2 this is a problem a lot of times we're just like there's this predominantly negative tone there are many people who are very positive about the game and wonderful about the game but like it's just this huge quagmire and so for me i'm like i would rather have there be a predominant atmosphere of respect support and enthusiasm any day mm. and have to have conversations about how we then also offer balanced good critique that I would just be in a game space where the players in the community for some reason still play the game even though all you ever hear from them is just like how much they hate it and what garbage it is and what a terrible thing and the developers should all go die and like and it's just like I yeah. I, I think it's a more commendable thing about 14 um, by far for sure. Did you notice any change in like the community when Asmongold was putting like a big and feel free to say I have no yeah. comment whatsoever on this, but <clears throat> I mean I do have a little bit of history with him. He sent his whole team after me once. But like do you did you notice any different like any change in the community when he was bringing like a lot of eyes and a lot of people from WoW over? There was quite a bit of apprehension, for sure. Um I mean all other all other deeper discussions aside, um, there was a lot of apprehension because there is a very, I think, predominantly negative tone that is oftentimes fostered in conjunction, perhaps with his content, um, or just a very different community element um, in WoW communities, in many WoW communities. Um, yeah. And unfortunately... It's not, it doesn't speak to all of World of Warcraft. Um, there are incredible organizations like Team Liquid's Women in Warcraft that I've been doing a lot of stuff with who are unbelievable champions for women and gender minorities who like are just like really fighting to make the space better. But one of the main reasons that I left World of Warcraft was because it was an awful space. <laughs> like, I'll be real. It was an awful space in many regards. Like, um, there were many communities that were very hostile. There were many communities that were very sexist, that were very homophobic, that were very racist. There were many, many um, acts of misogyny. Like, 
it's it's just it's really unfortunate because there are a lot of good people in WoW too. Um, and I think with Asmongold and with much of the community, perhaps on a greater whole that was affiliated with some of that in WoW, we did see that the 14 community was very, very um, worried yeah. about what would happen and like what that would bring in and what kind of flood of players that would bring in. But one of the things I reminded people on my own channel and content even then was that those spaces only exist so long as we allow that to be the predominant tone. If we allow that to be the norm in our games, that is what the norm will be. Mm. Or if you, as a community, even as new people come in, choose to enforce a space that is positive, you report players who behave really poorly, you stand up for players in situations where you witness them being treated badly, you, right, like, if you create a tone that is overwhelmingly the opposite of that, it's incredible how people conform to it. Yeah. And they fall in line with it. And I think that's exactly what we saw in many cases. I mean, I saw so many wild players come in and they'd even just be like, people said hi to me in a dungeon. <laughs> and like, that was yeah. a revolution to them. Like that was incredible because people were just friendly. And like, I saw some of those players shift like i had people come in that were like hey i'm from wow and this 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 and within 30 minutes of us talking they'd already started to shift the way that they were speaking or their tone or their you know um and that's the power of setting our own standards in our own communities um and so i think we saw a lot of that uh ultimately shake out and it was fine and i'm glad that players that have only ever experienced perhaps something different can have an experience where they can say like we can have different spaces than that online and that's good so <laughs> and that's again not to say that all of wow is like that because it's not um but i think sometimes people just need to realize or have like a wake-up call that the internet does not have to be like that yeah like the whole you know oh they would never have survived in a call of duty lobby and back in the day and i'm like well they didn't need to like that was inappropriate then and it's inappropriate yeah. now yep but let me let's should we move on to Dawn Trail a bit and just well, chat I was about say, let's let's discuss Dawn Trail. Um obviously it was announced at Vegas. Um we had a lovely trailer um with this sort of tropical region and this cool looking story. Um and then we've just had London FanFest where they have talked about Viper as the first job. What are your thoughts on Dawn Trail so far? Are you excited? What do you think about Viper? I can't wait to hear both of your thoughts too on this, but <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for this. Honestly, I am ready always for a new adventure, but also just excited to see like the team has grown and changed so much in 10 years of development from this game and coming off of 1.0 dealing with so many things that were set up that they didn't fully just scrap. Right. Which was one of the incredible things about the rebirth of the game. Um, continuing that and building off of it um, was something that I think has always kind of tied them to the remnants of that initial setup in the world and the Asians and Heidelin and Zodiac and everything else. And knowing this game, they're not going to like just dump all of those in the garbage. Like it'll still be a context within our world, but this will be a really exciting first foray that is its own fresh start in narrative in a larger arc in fresh new lore in new worlds in new places um in the worlds we already know even so i'm really excited and i think it looks beautiful from everything we've seen uh i think viper also like 
it's a little understated in the visuals that we've seen so far, but like the moment they put those two swords together, I was just with the blue lighting as well. It. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about that. And I think it's really cool that they are defining um, not only like adding to scouting. So like now Ninja and Rogue won't just be alone in this category, but that they are also like defining dual wielding and dual weapons as their own kind of category of class. Um so I'm really interested in seeing how they want to kind of carve out that space with the addition of a second class within that scouting category. Um, there, I mean, there are some apprehensions. Like I, I'm curious too with things, uh, somebody who loves support and buffs, that's one area in the game that people have talked a lot about, um, the narrowing down of that, the simplification of various classes. Um, at EU FanFest, Yoshida mentioned that Viper is supposed to be an advanced class, which is what Astrologian was supposed to have been and like other things. So I'm curious if they've decided to start opening up to some of that skill ceiling again, or if they're looking to expand some of the categories that maybe they previously narrowed. Um, but no, I mean, overall, I'm just super pumped about it. I think this whole, like the whole new world looks gorgeous. And especially at NA FanFest when they were talking about their rededication to um being more authentic or perhaps even being more respectful of cultural influences and things. Um, I am feeling tentatively hopeful about like a lot of the inspiration sources that we've seen, particularly yeah. with Thav having been such a great success. And so, I mean, we'll see, but how about both of you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I, I love it. I'm, I've, everything appeals to me, like absolutely everything. So for example, even the class, even uh Viper, like I love dual wielding. Like I, when I play Monster Hunter, I love the dual knives. I always go for those. And I just love the speed of it. And so like a melee DPS. At the moment, I'm Samurai, which I, I'm loving playing. That's my main one. I, I did do Summoner for a bit, but I'm like, just going and playing Samurai, like having a quick, close combat melee is so much fun. So I'm definitely going to be trying out Viper when that comes out. And yeah, having the dual blades and having it, yeah, where, they, where it comes together as one, like a good old lightsaber. I'm very much excited about that. <laughs> but the actual location itself in Dontrell, I've obviously not finished Endwalker yet. I'm currently in the middle of it. I just did a rather dull part, but it's kind of getting a bit... Well, it, I think I mentioned it to you at FanFest. I'm doing say, the Loperit part? part. Oh, yeah. Nope, that part also got me. <laughs> I was like, this is cute, but can it please end now? Yeah. And the annoying <laughs> thing is that I... There was, Obviously, before it is a big, big uh, fight. And I after that big, big fight, I stopped for a bit. And then I went back to it. And the like the three or four hours after it is kind of just world building, relaxing, calming after that fight. But for me, that me that was me coming back to it, going like, is there any action in this? I haven't fought anything in about, you know, five hours going on now. So, but I think it's now starting to ramp up and I've moved somewhere different. And I've had, yeah, it's definitely, in fact, I've just done a dungeon. So it's definitely ramping up a bit. And, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from there because everybody's like, oh, have you needed tissues yet? And I was like, no. Uh, so mm -hmm. thanks for, well, I'm, I, yeah, it annoys me a little bit when I'm, but I, I should have played it and finished it already. So it's my fault entirely. So like, say, I mean, it's talk, okay. We should talk about the music in a minute. Yeah. We'll get to that. Oh, yes. I was like, just going to say, at the very least for 14, if you say, do you need tissues yet? It could apply to like 70% so of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so 100%. And like to well, going back to like the areas that Dawn Trails revealed, like my favorite place in 14, uh, and it's always been as uh, Costa del Sol, because I just love mm. the, the color, the sun, the vibrancy, everyone, you know, it's just a really fun place to be. It's a place that you would go on holiday. If I was living in 14 in, in Eorzea, 
it would be Casa del Sol because it's you know, it's beautiful. It's I mean, kind you of did tropical. used to live in Barcelona, so I did live in Barcelona. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty similar to that. So that, and also, I've always had a real interest in kind of South American, uh, like the culture there, and just because it's so separate to what we've got here, and I always find it really fascinating. And I think the the way that it's pretty much, and I think I said it to you, I was like, I think it's based on Peru and like the the Andes down there, and Pretty much, yeah. The more you see yeah, it, the more you like. Is yes, it the coloured mountains? Yeah, it's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's that. I cannot remember the name of it, but there is a, a place in yeah in Peru that does have those uh, like pretty much identical mountain range, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. I really, really can't wait, and I just love how they're saying like, "Hey, it's gonna be really colourful," because you have like Heaven's Ward, which is snow and ice and grey and dragons, and then there's Stormblood, which is a little bit cool, but it was still a bit washed out. I feel. Shadowbringers, I absolutely adored. I mean, that's one of my favorites. Mm. If we count that as like a separate game, or if we count each expansion as a, as a PC game, it's generally one of my favorite PC experiences going through Shadowbringers. Endwalker, I've been dropping in and out of it, and I think if I just set through it and get to the end, I'm sure it'll be up there as well. But like just for the locations, for what they've shown, and how exciting and enticing it is to like go and visit these places, especially with the graphics upgrade... And all the grass, the, all the foliage, because that's one thing that I couldn't quite get was when it, the grass was obviously like just a JPEG with a few little tufts sticking out uh, every three or four meters. Didn't quite immerse me as properly as as what they showed um, and what they're really seeming to show off in kind of like the wooded areas or the jungles in the new uh, in the new expansion. I'm just like, yeah, let me get lost in there, please. Yeah, <laughs> I might even go first person for a bit just to kind of properly immerse oh, myself. Wow. Not in Do fighting. It. Not that mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I really like that sort of South American influence because I think that's something we don't see enough of in games. There's always a lot of sort of Western medieval fantasy. Uh, you tend to get a lot of sort of Japanese and Chinese sort of influence of things as well. It's very rare that we get to go to South America. So I really like that they've done that. There is the slight cynical side of me that's like, well, they've got a graphical update, so they want to show it off. So of course they're going to go somewhere that's very colourful. I'm happy for them to do so. Yeah, it looks great. Um, it's also given me some slight Final Fantasy X vibes, which I'm down yes. for. Which I know you're yeah. a big fan. It's in the Blitzball class, so we keep, we kept trying to get that out of Square Enix, and they wouldn't budge. We can and, hope. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. No, I don't think it will. <laughs> I don't think so, but I wish so much. Come on, <laughs> or at least just bring, just add Blitzball to it. I know. I played that over fall, guys. Oh yeah, Blitzball in the gold. So intense about it. Like, there's Mm. no way we could ever realize it. There's no way it would ever be what people want it to be. And I'm like, just try. Yeah, try. It's fine. Just standalone download. You know, just (laughs) whatever. And there's a new sort of bird-like race that I'm pretty sure is taken from ten. Yes, it was a ten reference, right? We we've also had some references to. Oh, which one is it? Is it, the, is it it the big bird boss that I think is a reference to Six? Six, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few, like we've seen a few other references Maybe. from, oh, Eleven. Obviously, oh my gosh, they have a lot of Eleven references yeah. as yes. well and with the Alliance raid. Um, but yes, this new race that, is it Pelu Pelu, I think, yes. if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah. Who are basically humanoid, but they wear these bird masks, um, which is very interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be so cool. And like you were saying, it's great to see them feature something like this because there is a huge South American gaming population. Oh, and yeah. like, especially in Brazil as well, like there is a huge player base. So, um, I mean, 
yes, hopefully they really, you know, have done some beautiful work on how they want to realize this and integrate it within the boundaries of fantasy, right? But while also still, you know, really doing um, a service by the incredibly rich cultures that this will be inspired by. Um, but I'm sure that's going to be exciting for players that are in those regions. Now, if only they would also do localization, like have their localization team for the region as well. I was really hoping they would announce it, but maybe they will for JP FanFest. I don't know. Yeah, that's when we were talking because uh, our friend, well, my friend that uh, has been in my community, literally we used to play Fortnite and back in the day in 2017, before he even started like streaming 14, um, you might have met him, I don't know, Shunko, who is a Spanish streamer, uh, Spanish yeah. content creator. And yeah, he got chatting with um, Koji Fox and apparently had like 20 minutes chat about localizing it to like Spanish because he's playing through the whole game and translating it for people to Spanish um, as he's reading it out to, um, and playing through it. And it's it surprises me. Like, I'm astonished that it's not localized. It's like, is there none of it in Spanish? Is it just English and Japanese? As far as I know, it's not localized in Spanish. I mean, it's English, Japanese, but I think we also have French, German... Italian? There, there might be an Italian okay. cast. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's much more localized to English-speaking, European, and then obviously Japanese audiences. There's got to be a Chinese or Korean localization, right? Yeah. You think? I would imagine. I mean, yeah, I find it. Uh, yeah, like Spanish. It looks like they've made like mods and stuff, but it's uh, it's. Yeah, the fact somebody, I mean, somebody just wrote an article and reset, well, it was on a thread on Resetra that was 14 not being translated in Spanish is outrageous. I mean, it's genuinely <laughs> the the second, is it the second biggest or the third most spoken? It's like the third most spoken first language, I believe, or something like that for people. Um, like, because obviously Chinese is very, oh, it's spoken all over the world. Can't remember exactly the phrase, uh, the exact fact, but I mean, it is huge. I mean, you, you even look on Twitch, like this biggest, streamers like the records are always broken by spanish-speaking streamers it's, yeah. yes there is a huge like missed opportunity if you're not putting the game out in spanish as well mm. the mm -hmm. other thing for me with dawn trail is that this is the first time that i am sort of ahead of the game in the sense of i've been playing catch up for so long and now that i'm into it i'm like okay this is coming and now Still i'm on shadowbringer zed well i know but i'm <laughs> You I, can do it. I, I you got time. I just mean as in like, I'm ahead of like knowing the announcements yeah. as they come out. So I'm like, that's made me really, really hyped for it because I'm excited now. I feel like I'm part of the build-up having been to, to FanFest now, which makes it really exciting. Um, what are your thoughts on this final job? Because we know that it's a mage, yes, DPS. A caster. Mm. Mm -hmm. What do you think it might be? I mean, we were talking at NA Fan Fest about something like Pictomancer, right? Or like a mm -hmm. painter. I personally still think something like that would be incredible and I really would love to see it. I, I just think that the aesthetic of it is so different than what we like have for other classes. I think it would be like, I don't know what you could even, you, you could do, you could just have a giant brush as a weapon mm. or something. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that they could give you a fantasy, you know, like fantasy equipment for it or whatever. Um, I think it'd be fun. I would love it. And I, I would be into it. It does seem like the at least vast majority of community sentiment right now is Green Mage. Um, but there were also like blatant specific, like we have seen, I won't say anything more, but we have literally seen a visual of the Green Mage class icon 
in current patch content. And like, so it's maybe they're going to re-envision it in some way. Maybe it will be different. Maybe it will be kind of a spin-off of Green Mage, but 14's own unique class, right? But given like the green Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, given mm. the Green Mage icon showing up, um, Green Mage does seem like that is at least where they are willfully directing us to believe we will be having a new class B. Um, but that raises some very interesting questions again about buffing and debuffing in the game because Green Mage historically was literally entirely about that. <laughs> so like if you have Green Mage, but the only buff that they have is that they do a damage up and there's like no debuffing, it, again, it, you're kind of going like, are we actually doing green mage um, at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Or or are we doing something that's going to be unique or different? Um, I've seen a lot of folks as well kind of want something um, that might be more truly nature-based or druidic or, you know, um, have a bit of like a, a sort of shaman aspect to it, um, which could be interesting as well. Um, I don't know. I I am really curious to see what they're going to do. I think that Viper was a surprise when so many folks were thinking maybe it was Corsair. So with this one, it's very possible that they just completely overturn what we think with Green Mage and they do something else. Or maybe it is exactly what we think and that's what we get. So yep. so he was wearing the Turtles t-shirt as a as a clue. And mm -hmm. and I think when we talked about Pictomancer, it's like, well, the Turtles are all named after artists. So that's what people were going there. And when people talked about Green Mage, I was like, well, how does that relate to the turtles? And then you just said, they're green. <laughs> Do you not realize like, that? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> That's so obvious. Yeah, oh, busy Ed. tour. <laughs> yeah. They're really green because they're turtles. I was really overthinking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm also on the, like, I was not originally on the, the uh, Geomancer train, as in, like, a lot of folks have wanted Geomancer for a while in the game. But after having Mount Rokon and stuff, I am all, I'm like, give me Onmyoji, give me Geomancer, give me like one of these classes or one of these jobs that we know exist mm. in the Far East, but that we have not seen other than like in lore. Um, Rokon had so much cool stuff about Onmyoji specifically, like the weapon they use, how they use things, various like creations of theirs, like Dogu, which are, um, you know, kind of, again, they would play perfectly into that sort of druidic or kind of shaman, like the totem or the clay figures that you place down that can affect nature and make things grow and all kinds of stuff. Um, so maybe they go with something like that, but I don't know how it would really relate to the greater themes of the expansion, but it's in, it's in the lore of the game. So that's true. There's also the other job, um, to come yeah. further down the line to sort of match with blue mage. Any ideas on what that could be? Puppeteer Beastmaster would be my yeah, guess. Beastmaster said, mm -hmm. that sounds, a puppeteer also sounds good fun, but that might be just cause I'm. Quite enjoying Lies of P at the moment, so it just <laughs> sure. sounds quite cool <laughs> to have. Can you imagine that? Yeah, like if it was a Pictomancer and then a, a puppeteer, just like all the creative classes coming out. I love it. You know, yeah. it'd be great. A new, a new crafting arts and craft resurgence yeah. in in fourteen. <laughs> I mean, a lot of there are some very creative people, as you saw at the fan fest. Oh yes. What did you have? You ever been tempted to? Well, before going to music. Uh, I think it's, it would do you a disservice if we didn't talk about your incredible red suit. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> how is that? Is that still there? Have you? 
Is, is that coming up for special occasions? Rook hasn't burned it. Like, well, I don't know if, you know, <laughs> donated yes, I, to a museum. It's like, it I, is iconic. I got home. I threw it on the bonfire. <laughs> I was like, thank you for serving so well. Um, thank you. Uh, no. <laughs> Only wear clothes once. Is that <laughs> Rook's really wasteful? <laughs> I'm an incredibly wasteful person. <laughs> um, no, my, my closet, most of my, a lot of my clothes I've had for years and I probably honestly should toss a lot of them on the bonfire. <laughs> But um, this one was this was a new ensemble. Yes. Yeah, so we um, when we were thinking about like what we wanted to wear for the event, because, um, you know, obviously you're like, I want Yoshi Ki to be proud of me and I don't want him to be ashamed of me. <laughs> so I'm on stage. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, but like just you really want to live up to it. So we were like. We did a lot of prep um, with, you know, even practicing and doing a ton of community stuff and, you know, co-casting together. But then the other half of that was like, how do we make a good impression on the stage? And, um, you know, after NA FanFest, there was feedback and like discussion um, as I, it just happens, you know, right, where you get to see like what was the audience response to this or that or this. Um, and so we had a bit of an idea of the image that, um, you know, really resonated or that they really wanted uh, to be projected for something like CCRC um, because the Japanese audience has really, really taken to crystalline conflict. Um, and Yoshida is a big fan of PVP. He sits and watches, you know, he was on the floor at both EU and NA watching. Um, and so he really wants it to be something that's very polished as much as possible. And they're still troubleshooting that and figuring what that out what that means because esports production is its whole own entire beast, right? Um, so we were trying to decide what would we wear and, um, you know, something like a suit, uh, had really positive feedback. Um, we actually, I, I was talking about this on a different podcast. We, um, initially came at them with a pitch for two custom designed kimono, um, because I've been learning kimono kitsuke, which is like the styling of kimono, um, the past year wow. and knew this incredible artist that makes custom kimono. And we were going to get them in like two different patterns, like for either side of the astral umbra, like of the uh, PVP sides that you can play. Um, but the approval process for that probably would have taken about half a year with all <laughs> oh. the designs and stuff. So uh, next year, well, we, next, well, two years, you got two years until the next fan fest. Yeah, two years true. until the next one. So next one, maybe. Um, but so then we just started looking for other stuff and uh, found this wonderful uh, person on Etsy who does custom suits and had always wanted a suit. And Lithy was going to rock the skirt. And we yeah. were like, okay, we'll go red and blue and we'll do, you know, either side of this. And uh, yeah, it just, it came together great. And I'm so glad everybody loved the suit because I felt awesome in it. So <laughs> Yeah, you and Lithy look fantastic. You both look yeah. amazing. And um, I mean, yeah, let's, let's talk about some, well, yeah, oh, just, actually, just before going to the music, because the thing I was trying to think of was, would you ever do a cosplay in the cosplay walk? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. The thing is, is that I'm hopeless at, <laughs> I'm terrible at sewing. I can't do it. I'm bad at it. And so is this a call I know out I for learn. someone to help, help you? Yes. Get into Maybe. cosplay for the next Let's make it happen. Do that walk. Listen, I would do it. I would do it. I I know we have so many amazing cosplayers in our community that create gorgeous stuff. And mm -hmm. hell yes, I would put on a costume. I would absolutely walk across that stage 100%. Okay, we need to clip this, stick it on TikTok. Like, yeah. It will happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, yeah, no, just, I mean, my favorite bit of FanFest overall was the music from 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 both FanFests. Um the piano concert especially was just stunning. 
Um, but it's also awkward for us having not played Endwalker. <laughs> Honestly, whenever the because Endwalker songs were on, I was like this. Because they have the screen up with all the footage. <laughs> so we're both just sat there like, this music's great, but I don't know the emotional resonance of this. Yeah. Like, what? And everyone's crying because someone's died, I presume. Um, and and uh, maybe. And I'm like, it's lovely music. I don't know what's going on, but it's yeah. lovely music. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. I will say the music design in Endwalker took it to a whole other level. Like the way they used even some of the old standards um, that Uematsu had composed into some of the new compositions um, that we got from Soken um, and some of the like final stuff. I won't say anything else. Um, I think is why everybody is such a hot mess whenever they play <laughs> any of those pieces because they're just so beautiful. So you'll both get there and you'll have your moment and then you'll be able to cry and, you know, enjoy them in future ones. But yeah, the music, the the live musical performances at FanFest are gorgeous. Like they're just gorgeous. Um, the piano concert was our favorite too. Honestly, like the Primals concert is fun and it's like a great hype way to end the weekend. But there's something just so wonderful about like the intimacy of the piano con like concert, yeah. you know, where you just, it's like a perfect wind down at the end of the first day. And you just really get to full on enjoy the beauty of the music and the wonderful performers. And so Ken's ridiculous little automaton <laughs> yeah. shenanigan that he does. I was like, is and... he going to do it again? Yes, he is. <laughs> yes. It I was, was so good. Yeah. I was oh. surprised though at you there weren't any notices about not recording it like at NA. At NA, they were very like, don't have your cameras out. Don't record any of the music stuff. Don't. But as far as I caught, there weren't any of those announcements at EU and people just seemed to be recording maybe because they'd already debuted it at one fan fest. So they didn't feel like they needed to like keep it quiet anymore. I don't know. I heard them um, mention it once, but that was it. I'm sure. Yeah, I think I heard them mention it and I'm sure I saw someone walk up and be like, stop filming. Okay. Uh, okay. Something like that. Okay. Possibly. There were some Maybe people like just it. constantly recording and you're like, come on, just watch. <laughs> yeah. But I do yeah, quite like yeah. that, that, you know, not many people did. And I love how, like for me, the, obviously, yeah, the watching the piano concert was just, yeah, magical. And the voice, her, um, what's her name? Amanda the, Aiken. Amanda yeah, Aiken, her voice is like, oh, so good. Yeah, genuinely, genuinely perfect. And yeah, the, yeah, the Primals concert, I thought... I won't say who it was that I spoke to, but I was like, are you enjoying it? And they're like, yeah, this is hilarious. And I was like, I'm not sure that was the vibe that they're going for, but, but like, just... It feels a bit like your dad's my, on stage. It's very much out. dad's. Oh, I mean, yeah, Koji definitely has, like, a strong, cool dad vibe. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I wasn't... It's not the kind of music I enjoy, really. I mean, I do recognize it from the game, so that kind of makes you instantly love it a bit, because, you know, you recognize it. But just the atmosphere and everybody like with their glow sticks kind of going in tune to <laughs> it. With the, there was, yes. yeah, there was somebody that was like navigating a kind of taxi and an, air, an airplane right in front of us kind of doing this constantly all, <laughs> all the entire concert. But it, like just the atmosphere and everybody joining in and jumping around and singing, like you get completely caught up in it. And it, they could be playing anything and you're just enjoying it because of, because of the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hype. Like, it's so exciting and everybody is just, you know, so happy to be there and share that moment together. And it's fun because they're, like, they seem to play a fairly similar set, even, like, spanning the years. I mean, obviously, the amount of songs in the game and the ones that the Primals specifically play are somewhat limited, you know, but, um, 
like there are a lot of things that have kind of built up over the fan fest from what I can tell, uh, like the one from Alexander where you have the time stop where everybody in the audience, um, if you're in the know from previous, like yeah, previous fan the fest, the- <laughs> yeah, like when they get to the point where in the song and in the fight, uh, there's the time stop where everything freezes, like all of the people who know freeze in the audience as you're like doing your stuff. So like, I, have like done little- that I've only, I think I've only ever done that a couple okay. of times, the Alexander stuff. Yeah, it's so fun, though. And there's like little things like that that you pick up on. Um, And of course, I think between both of the Primals concerts with EU and NA, Frosty, sorry, not Frosty, um, uh, 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 Alex and Husky being up on the stage for the EU one was just, it was pure joy. Like, it was absolute pure joy. Um, And... I just took the EU concert to like another level for me, even though the NA one had Amanda come out to sing some songs, of the primals, which was really, really great. But there was something so special about that moment. You can see um, those, they two, those two are absolutely loving it. And their talent is incredible. Like we were like oh, yeah. saying like they can really play a guitar. I mean, obviously it's their job and like they are both professional musicians, but it was like, yeah, a real joy to watch them. Now absolutely. for just like for a final little topic, should we talk about like, 14 in the future. Where do you see 14 going post Dawn Trail? Like, what do you see in the future of 14? And maybe even, well, maybe even going to MMOs as a whole. What do you see as like the future of MMOs and 14? Oh my gosh, we could do a whole nother Sorry, episode yeah, no, just, just like, about this topic. And, one fi- and finally, here's <laughs> <laughs> a thesis. <laughs> no, it's a good question. I mean, 14. We have some we have some tidbits, right? Like mm. we know theoretically based off of all of the MSQ stuff. Um, and again, I'll try to keep this super vague for both of you, but I, I don't <laughs> think you. this will come as a surprise for the rest of the game. The void has long been a topic in this game. Um, it has come up over and over and over again. There's a whole series of side quests about it in Shadowbringers. Um, and with some recent focus, it seems very likely that future expansions will at some point take us to the void, um, which opens the door to things like the other shards as well. Do we go visit them? Do we find a way to truly travel between all of them? There's a lot of stuff with that. Um, and there's many places even on our own planet, like the New World um, here on the Source, right? Or Maricidia, which we've heard so much about, but still have never been to that they could very well with dawn trail use that as like a kicking off point much like emmett selk said to feature stories on the source and many of those places we haven't been or many of the mysteries that still remain about this world that other historical groups of the world didn't even explore themselves right so there's a lot of possibilities with all of that in like a broader, grander sense, I think um, 14 has a lot of f- uh, like future proofing to do. Uh, and that's just kind of a more technical thing, right? Like yeah. there are many trends in other MMOs right now that 14 is behind the curve on. Some of it just being, I think, like a Japanese development mentality. This, this is just not a specific, like it's not specific, specific. Um, but we have seen, particularly for like online games, that a lot of um, Japanese companies have been behind the curve on some of the technologies and things versus like Western companies um, that I think right off the get-go were much more aggressive with their online capabilities and how they were doing stuff like this. Like for example, 
account-wide stuff or um, things like not having to render all items as individual things, right? Like we saw with World of Warcraft that shift where they did um, their sort of transmog catalog where you can collect every cosmetic appearance in the game and it's not like you're having to shuffle an item, act like a, an actual item in the game between different storage <laughs> containers. Um, you know, 14 has talked about recently even cloud-based server systems, which allow for things like instanced housing, flexible spin-up of servers, those sorts of just behind-the-scenes technologies that um, the game originally was not designed with and that um, they've really been trying to play catch-up with when you compare them to a lot of other MMOs where, um, you know, they're not ever having server downtime anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like Guild Wars 2, they never take the game offline. Warframe, they never take the game offline. Like in the history of the game in Guild Wars 2, I think there's been one time where they've had to, because of some something that happened for a brief period of time, have the game be down. But we look at 14, right? And we still have 24 hour server maintenance or we have these whole unplayable periods of time or things like, um, you know, the Endwalker sales where they literally had to stop selling the game. Yeah, because so wild. I know, like that's, <laughs> Not what you ever want, no. ever. I remember Sh I was, like <laughs> Shadowbringers had a perfect launch, didn't it? But I think it was Stormblood, and it was like six, seven hours to get into the game. Like, I would get into the queue before going to work, and I would come back, and there'd still be like two hours left queuing to get yes. in. <laughs> yes, and then there were all the issues with the, like... Um, instance-based story blocks, Raubon Extreme, those sorts of things where, like, they literally couldn't spin up enough instances and so you'd be standing in line for two hours like in queue behind this npc just like hoping that you could actually get into the instance you needed to progress the story so all of this to say um like modern mmos have really looked at you know how can we make the game accessible constantly how can we make it um as a uh, accessible for players as possible um, across many characters, across many things, right? You know, we don't even have a shared bank in 14 for characters where like you can just transfer stuff from like one character to another character. Oh, yeah. I literally this past week had to ask a friend to log on so I could give them stuff so that then I could pass that stuff to a character oh, on a different I server. Bu I bought an emote <laughs> and accidentally put it on the wrong uh, account and it's yes. now like well it's lost. I was like, oh, well, I, yeah, that's never coming back. I've I've completely lost that. What yeah? What do you think? So, so yes, technology is a big part too. What do you think? And I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, and it's also the question that everybody says every time a new expansion comes out. At what point do they go? Oh yeah, there's 500 hours of kind of main story that people have to get through to get to play this new game that we really want to kind of push out there and promote. Do you ever see it being a been possible to just go into the latest content or do you think they'd have to start a new game for that because i think is it guild wars that there's that the expansions are kind of parallel so you get into the game and then you kind of choose which one to do mm. so it's sort of um uh sort of yes sort okay, of yeah. I, I haven't played it my no, brother loves it and like always <laughs> talks about how great it is but so maybe one day i will but yeah uh, also you should because it's like super 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 gay Ben. Is it, isn't <laughs> well, it very fable it was, as well it's i mean it's really good it was the first mmo to have it was the first mmo to have a same sex on-screen kiss with two of the main characters and literally now, quality goes like, bad you literally, know why <laughs> 
they have a whole like one of the epilogues of one of the expansions is that you literally go and witness them like having like a miniature wedding ceremony oh, kind of thing else and there, like <laughs> Oh, no, yes, you go watch them and it's real hot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that would be a great end to an, an expansion. <laughs> no, like you witness their whole relationship over the course of the expansions and they like, you know, um, have a formal commitment to one another and get like engaged and have this whole scene that's like a full on epilogue of one of the expansions, which is really beautiful. Uh, we have like non-binary characters and all kinds of stuff within the game. All of that aside, excuse me, sorry. Um <laughs> Elder Scrolls Online is the one that truly has the modular expansions. Okay. So, like, when you go in, they've done a whole new prologue thing where you can, like, pick whichever one you want to jump into. Guild Wars 2 does have a linear story, but once you get through the base game, you can technically just go wherever you... Like, you can choose to jump into whatever expansion if you have that expansion. Um, they don't, like, force you to do, you know, every single thing in order. So, all of this to say... I think in the future of MMOs, accessibility and choice of where you pick up, where you leave off, how you engage with things is a huge factor. Um, I know that 14 has felt that pressure. However, 14 has also really strongly stuck to the story is the story. Yeah. We created this to be something that could stand in the line of single player Final Fantasies. And with that in mind, they have not. I mean, if there was a time to do it, you would have thought Don Trail would have been it. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's impossible. And I think that, like, perhaps very far down the road, it's something that they might just be like, ah, screw it. Like how they did jump, they finally did jump stuff, which was a huge point of contention in the community for a long time, being able to jump your job or to buy story mm -hmm. skips. Um, but there may come a day where, especially as they're looking perhaps, towards the eventual decline of 14, um, whatever that might be, that they just go, oh, well, just to incentivize people, we'll let them play from wherever. But mm -hmm. as it is right now, I don't see it in the foreseeable future. I don't know about what yeah. you two think, but I, I don't think they're going to. No, and I from, think you're right. what Yoshida said in interviews, I think, you know, he, it as you said, it is very much sticking to the story. And so he wants people to play through the whole thing. And he said as well that they go back and they still optimize stuff from the beginning of the game to, to make that smoother. So I, I don't think they'll get to that point. But equally, there does come a point where that story is so long that you're like, let's just start a new game. Like, let's just do <laughs> Final Fantasy 17 at this point. But I feel like they would do an MMO <laughs> alongside it for quite a while, like 11. Yeah. And then eventually people would just migrate to the new one. But I think... 14 is such a great game and it's so well loved. And there's, I imagine, I don't know, I haven't looked at the player count and stuff, but I imagine it's not dipping if if it's not doing the opposite. I mean, uh, it's Square Enix's biggest game. It what It's what brings them the most money yeah. out of everything. So, there'd so be, they're not going to be dropping it anytime soon. And they're soon. not running to replace it anytime soon, I imagine. No. I imagine there'll, there'll be talks going on about like what the next MMO is, I'm sure. But oh, for sure. it's going to be, it's going to need to be, ugh, like if they fumble that, it's... A disaster for the whole company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely seem dedicated to, I would assume, another 10 years of 14. Uh, and at the very least, I mean, 11 is still playable. Like, yeah. it's in maintenance mode at this point. But they literally just announced a 24-man collaboration <laughs> with 11, right? Yeah. And I think it was last year that 11 even got 
some kind of additional quest added to it. Now, like that was not anything where they said they were going to keep doing ongoing content or anything like that. It was kind of unique. And I think Eleven was having an anniversary. But I, yeah, I just don't think Square Enix in particular is a company that lets go of things that like, yeah, you know, have traction or that have a relationship with the player base. Um, and honestly, I don't feel like 14 while there are many technical things that are behind and that they are now working to try and, you know, fix, expand, those sorts of things, um, the actual, like, quality of the narrative and the content and the player base, like you're both saying, I mean, it, it's all there. It's strong. We saw the numbers go up for Endwalker. They went yeah. up hugely. And, like, even though post-patch, you know, we've had perhaps some of that fluctuation, um, it has not been, like, and now no one's playing the game. Like, no, mm -hmm. it's a huge game. It is absolutely up there with all the top MMOs. Um, it has, you know, at various times rivaled WoW, which has not been a thing that like any other game has yeah. come close to with its subscriptions. Um, I mean, of course, like active players on a daily basis, those are different numbers and companies don't reveal, you know, all of this data to us. But um, 14 has really come up there. So it's... I yeah I don't know why they would shut it down and start working on something else uh, unless they were going to run them parallel for a very long time and mm -hmm. I think they'll keep the focus on fourteen until it seems as though it is losing traction. Yeah, and I think one thing that people think of is oh the quality you know the game games that are released in seven eight years are going to look very different. But I mean wow like the, wow put me I didn't couldn't get into wow about seven eight maybe nine years ago because the graphics were too ugly for me. And that was seven, eight, nine years ago. And it's still probably the most, I'm guessing it's the most subscribed to MMO around. It's still now. And they're still releasing expansions. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. But also like 10 years in video games this time around, the difference between like the graphics of a game at the start and at the end of those 10 years is a lot less noticeable than 10 years were, you know, back in the, you know, the mid 2000s, the early 2000s. So like it's, you're still going to be able to play. You're still going to see it. There's a unique art style to 14, I think, that's, you know... Oh, yeah, the art style stands the test of time. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 One last question as well, to satisfy Ben. Really? Um, and we've mentioned World of Warcraft. Obviously, Blizzard have now been bought by Microsoft. Yeah. Um, do you think this might have any kind of impact on WoW? And for Ben specifically, do you think WoW might come to consoles? Because apparently it's a really good... Con the thing is, and also just to add on to that, 14 is such a great game to play with a controller. And I've, I've, apparently when it first was released, like you could only play it on with a controller. Like it didn't even have keyboard, mouse and keyboard support. Like it was only uh, with a controller. So, which is actually a negative when it first came out because I think it wasn't intended to be like that. Um, I think that was 1.0. But like the fact that I think WoW has a mod that a really, really good controller uh, support mm. mod that, you know, people rave about. Do you think, yeah, that that would actually make the, to make the move to <laughs> Xbox easier? I mean, for sure, right? Because it's all tied into the same company. And you asked earlier about trends for MMOs in general, right, in the future. And a huge one, um, not just like availability, accessibility for players in-game, but accessibility for players on a much larger scale. Like the days of console exclusives, they still exist, but more and more and more in gaming communities, we are seeing the friction of that. Like when you think about the amount of people that have 
just truly been so vocally unhappy about things like the seven remake being platform exclusive or um, the delay between release on different platforms or not being able to play with friends cross-platform, right? These are all things that are hurdles for companies to just earn more money, (laughs) (laughs) which like, of course, like as you make, as you make, you know, these different um, agreements with companies, there are like, there's a monetary investment that I have no doubt that goes into that, right? As you like agree to invest in whatever infrastructure or whatever it is that you have to do behind the scenes to get your game on Steam, to get your game on Xbox, to get your game on PlayStation. Like, but the potential player base that is there is huge. And um, I I mean, yeah, for WoW, this has been a big thing for a long time. Um, and, you know, this is this is a slightly, this is a sidelong tangent. Conversations about gaming, like companies buying everything and controlling everything, which is very concerning. Like, and yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Also, given a lot of the stuff that's happened with Blizzard here in recent years and a lot of the really terrible things that have happened with Blizzard, um, for for my side of this, right? And um, you know, even though I've been casting and commentating a lot of stuff and working with groups that are doing a lot of good within these spaces specifically, um, when I agreed to do my first WoW race, it was purely because that race um, was benefiting like women in technology and a huge, you know, fundraising effort and things like that in the wake of everything that happened with Blizzard. But if Blizzard is under another company and we know Codex out in January and hopefully it can do nothing but create more oversight and make sure that people are taken care of better and that these issues never, ever, ever happen again. um, That's the hope, right? Um, so I feel very, very good about that in many ways. Um, and then as well, the possibilities of, yeah, something like Xbox. 14's coming to Xbox. Yeah. I mean... Can you imagine if they brought 14 but, over and then would like, yeah, yeah let's, let's also bring WoW as well, you know? <laughs> I mean, it would be ridiculous for them not to. Mm-hmm. If WoW's looking ahead to the future as well, they have to know that this is a trend too. Yeah. So, I mean, ESO is cross-platform and playable. Warframe is cross-platform and playable. I'm trying to think of even more examples. Guild Wars 2 is still not on consoles, but they came to Steam last year and they have controller support through that now. Ooh, okay. That, I didn't realize it had controller support. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I will finish Endwalker first. I will finish the MSQ. One at a time, first. One yeah. at a time. I cannot. I can barely manage yeah. like two games at the same time. Never mind two MMOs. I mean, it's... Although I'm no, very I much looking, you. one thing I'm looking forward to, because in about six days, I'm getting the PlayStation Portal over here, so I can actually play 14 in bed if I want to. Yes! Which I actually have already <laughs> on the Steam Deck, but it was a bit fiddly and it wasn't quite working. Uh, but yes, using the PlayStation Portal to play 14 in That's bed, a very cannot good wait. Idea. <laughs> or on the toilet, doing, you know, waiting for your duties. Doing the duty while waiting for a duty. <laughs> Uh, what a perfect time to stop end. The yeah. stop the podcast. What an excellent final note. Great. <laughs> oh, it was going so well. <laughs> oh, well, Brooke, thank you so, so much for yes, joining. I remember you. saying at the start, it's probably going to be like 45 minutes for an hour and it's been over an hour and a half. So I cannot thank you enough for putting up with us for this long. And No, I have to thank you because as I told you before we even got started, um, I talk and talk and talk. So I have no doubt that a good portion of that is just me. So thank you for listening. No, the dream thank podcast, you for the great yes. question. <laughs> it really is. It's so, always honestly, a pleasure to speak to you. 
Oh, it was a pleasure to to get to meet both of you, NA and EU Fan Fest. I'm still so glad, Ed, that you were like, Rook at NA. I was so happy. It's, to meet I was you. messaging Ben at the time and I was like, I think I'm sat behind Rook. And I and think I, like, I sent a picture. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's probably a picture on my phone of you like covertly <laughs> yeah, showing a sandwich in your mouth, something like that. And he's like, Is this Rook? And Ben was like, Yeah, say it. hi. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. I made him go and say hi to you because I was like, I can't have you two that I've known. I both I know both of you quite well in different ways, but I'm like you both need to go and say hello. <laughs> oh. No, I'm so glad because honestly, like meeting you and chatting with you was such a highlight of NA Fan Fest, and then Ben getting to meet you at EU, and like I think my only regret from Fan Fest was that uh, EU Fan Fest was that even with like a week like of lead up just with everybody's lives and schedules and then Fan Fest weekend itself, I was just like I wish I could have just hung out with like Ben and Ed like multiple times like i wish we could have just like spent more time and done stuff and so next time yeah we'll have to definitely but i'm glad we got to do the podcast and hang out a little bit extra here so definitely. <laughs> are you a are you a twitchcon visitor do you ever go to twitch cons i haven't in the past but i am thinking about it for next year next year i am very committed to going to the to both of them so i'm okay it, well, it, I say it depends where it is, but I know it's not going to be Las Vegas. And I think that would have been the only one where I've been like, no. <laughs> so Yeah, I know. I actually knew several people, um, I don't say who, but even Twitch staff that were, they went to FanFest in NA. And then when they heard that, like, they were like, oh, TwitchCon is at Vegas. They were like, we're not going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go back. No. I was like, Vegas is fun, but... Um, it was not my favorite convention center, definitely. Also, it was so hot for NA Fan Fest. It was actually agony. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I heard it was horrible. And I, I know somebody that went to, I think it was TwitchCon actually, they spent $1,000 on taxi rides. <gasps> what is up with the tax? They're so expensive. The Lyfts and Ubers are so expensive in Vegas. Mm. Yeah, that was a really weird thing I wasn't expecting. You we never probably paid for any of those, did you? No, thank you, Square Enix. <laughs> <laughs> so if they go bankrupt, we know why. <laughs> oh. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, Rock, how can people find you if they don't follow you already? Let's make sure they do. How can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv rookery. So that's R-O-O-K-U-R-I. You can also find me on YouTube at the same. I love MMOs. I love all the content in them. I'm a huge story and lore nerd, but I do all the content in the game from casual to hardcore. And I even role play. So really, honestly, like any way that I can get invested in these games that we love, I absolutely do. And I'm always happy to hear about what's really caught your attention. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. I refuse to call it by its other name. Same, at same. <laughs> Thank you. Even in a business uh, meeting today, I was like, I'm not. I had like 16 people of all heads from different departments as I was pitching something. And I was like, don't care how professional this setting is. I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> it is Twitter. It's just that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Rookery underscore. Um, and yeah, if I'm not live on my own channel, I, I'm probably live somewhere else. I do two podcasts myself. So I do Aetherite Radio on Saturdays over on Gamerscape's channel for 14. And I do the Lightbringers podcast on Fridays for Guild Wars 2 on Jebra Unity's channel. And I do a lot of casting, commentating, and hosting. So I try to add those in, let people know what's happening, where, and what schedule. Um, very soon. Next week, uh, I'll be doing the uh, world race in WoW, but um, I keep an eye out because I do a ton of stuff for 14, a lot of PvP stuff, a lot of uh, world race things over there, and pretty much anything that people invite me to. Oftentimes, if I'm able to, I'm there. So I try to let you all know where you can go to watch that as well when it happens. 
brilliant. I can't wait to tune. I'm actually going to tune into the world's race uh, in WoW just to see what it's like. Um, but it's interesting. Hope you ensure your voice. Your voice very, very important, isn't it? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it was getting rough after EU Fan Fest because oh, wow. I had come from PAX. I had been casting like nonstop. We'd had LunarCon right before and I was hosting for LunarCon. And <laughs> I got through EU Fan Fest and I was like, <sighs> <laughs> but it's good now. We've rested. Okay, you've rested. So. That's good. Honey and lemon. Honey and lemon. Honey and lemon. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, Ed, you can find, where can we find you? You can find me at Ed underscore Knights on Twitch and on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Biggest Ben S1 on Twitter. Because the one thing that Musk said he was going to do, he hasn't done yet. The only good thing was to get rid of people that haven't tweeted in like 10 years. Um, but so Biggest Ben S still is there. Unused since 2010. Um, but yeah, <laughs> find me everywhere else, Biggest Ben S. And if you want more swapping joysticks.com, that is where you go and get all our previous podcasts, our weekly podcast. There's a, there's a million different sentences I tried to say in one Yeah, there. I was going to say that was really smooth. That's go really to good, actually. Like, oh, go to <laughs> You can go and subscribe there. You can follow there. You can find our old episodes there. Um, we've got some interviews coming up. We've got some old interviews on there. But yeah, lots. where you get all your streaming, gaming, and gay shit. What more could you want in life? Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rook, thank you so much again. Thank you, Rook. I will look forward to watching you do the world's race and probably tune into a few of your podcasts because I'm probably going to go into playing some Guild Wars 2 at some point soon. Mm. Yes, let me know if you do. And thank you both. Honestly, so happy to get to chat and hang out and so glad I could be on. Yeah, hopefully it won't be too long next time. Before <laughs> next time. <laughs> thank you very much for watching. Bye. See you later.